0: what's up military millionaires i'm your host david Perret, and as always joined by my i always say beautiful but sometimes annoying co-host alex felice but we all love him or at least keep him around i don't know i always try to say something nice about him i and and it just doesn't come out the way that i want it to so just we love you alex and also nate carter Who is the whole point of this episode today? So, Nate created a plan for financial independence and early retirement while spending 18 years overseas as a US diplomat and two years in Africa with the US Peace Corps as a volunteer. Uh, He's the author of the book, Become Loaded for Life. And we're here today to talk about financial independence and real estate and investing and all things awesome, finance and everything else. So, Nate, welcome to the show, brother. Welcome to the Military Millionaire Podcast, where we teach service members, veterans, and their families how to build wealth through personal finance, entrepreneurship, and real estate investing. I'm your host, David Perret, and together with my co-host, Alex Felice, we're here to be your no BS guides along the most important mission you'll ever embark on, your finances. Vehicle one, you're
1: cleared to depart friendly lines. Run! Right Vic 1 Oscar Mike. Hey guys, if you're looking to take your investing, business, life, or just yourself to the next level, then I have something for you. The War Room Real Estate Military Mastermind Group is a mastermind group that meets weekly in small groups of five to six people to help you hold yourself accountable and really experience that growth. But we also have a monthly guest speaker that we bring in, and we've had guest speakers that talk about mindfulness, taxes, we're bringing in somebody to talk about marketing we bring in very specific topics that will adhere to very broad any any kind of real estate investing or investing or entrepreneurship that you want to do and will really help you out and we let you ask these speakers questions and get very personal with them and then back to the small groups, weekly accountability for what you're trying to achieve and just being surrounded by like-minded people. And they say your network is your net worth. I know that's an overused phrase, but I recommend that you check it out. So just shoot an email to wrmastermind at gmail.com. Once again, that's wrmastermind at gmail.com. And we'll send you some more information. Thanks,
2: David. Appreciate it, Alex. Thank you as well. Happy to oh, be here. You don't, you don't have to do that.
0: <laughs> I'm just kidding. Don't thank everybody. I'm just kidding. Nate, why don't you uh,
2: paint us a little? uh, Paint paint us a picture. Tell us a little bit about your story. Sure. So, I guess my story has almost like two phases. The first phase is when I was a kid growing up. uh, You know, I had a newspaper route. I got a lot of the advice that people give. You know, the traditional advice like study hard, get a good education, use that education to climb the corporate ladder, um, and get a good job. And so, when I was a kid, you know, doing this newspaper route, I'd look around and. You know, this was coincided this period coincided with the 80 and 82 recessions which were two kind of recessions in close succession and i saw you know a lot of people hey they followed that advice they worked hard they got a good job and then when the recessions hit they lost their job and they had you know some of them lost their houses or lost cars you know divorce rates kind of went increased uh, as well and so when i was a kid it kind of struck me as look everyone's saying that this is how you're supposed to do it but it doesn't seem to work for everybody And these are hardworking people. Um, And I just, as I looked at that, I thought, everybody's relying on a job. And once you hit a recession, jobs become a little bit more fragile. And it's harder to get one or you have periods of unemployment. And so I thought, how do you you fix this? How do you address this? And so I kind of fast forward uh, a number of years. And I was in the Peace Corps in Morocco. Um, It was a great experience. I learned a lot. um, But I joke, I kind of came back with an immigrant's mentality of hustling and hard work and was really excited to kind of make my my fortune. At the time, I was 27 years old. I had $1,500 in the bank. And I knew nothing about investing. I knew nothing about stocks. I knew nothing about bonds. I knew nothing about real estate. Um, but I, I realized, look, there's a way to do this. And I just need to figure out how it how it's done doing something different than that traditional route of getting a job and only focusing on job income. So... I started reading books, you know, from the library and learning what I could. And along the way, I read a story about the company of the uh, Medtronic, which does kind of medical devices. And in it, they had talked about creating a hundred-year strategic plan. And so, from that, I thought, "Hey, if a company like Medtronic has a hundred-year plan, maybe I'll come up with a thirty-year plan." So, at twenty-seven, I thought, "I want to be able to retire at fifty-seven and be able to do what I want to do with my life." So that's how it kind of got started.
3: That's better than most because like you said from the start, you know, a lot of people, they just kind of show up. They get a job because somebody told them to, which is not a real plan. And and then they, they buy cars and houses and stuff because that's what society tells them to, which is definitely not a plan. And then when the risk that they've been taking that they haven't felt yet actually hits, they find out that they're ill prepared. And so, you know, the fact that you created a plan at all uh, is sort of like the real key to financial freedom is, I mean, if you could really sum it up into one thing, it's like have a, have a real plan, not a, not a hope.
2: Yeah, and it's funny too, because people say, look, I don't really know where to start. And I always tell them, start off with five long-term goals. And my plan was essentially just five bullets. Uh, and it started off with this idea of saying, look, I want to have a certain amount of assets accumulated to provide passive income. And so I crunched some numbers and I figured out this is you know how much I think I would need. But going beyond that, I wanted to. My girlfriend and I were working on this at the time. Now uh, we're married, but I said, "Look, we want to live overseas. We were both in Peace Corps together, so let's make this plan that also includes living overseas for at least a decade." Um, and so that was kind of our second goal. And then we looked at it and we said, "Look, once we retire, we don't want to retire into austerity. Like we don't want to be poor." we want to be living at kind of the same income level that we are now um, or else it wouldn't make sense for us. And we also looked at this and said, another goal should be to have a bit of a work-life balance during this process. Cause sure. We could both try and, you know, work for a hedge fund company and work a hundred hours a week and save as much as we could, but we wanted to enjoy, enjoy the ride as well. And so that was one of the things that we focused at. And so I tell people, look, design your plan, but it can be very general. But what will get you motivated to wake up and start every day and stay focused on this plan? And as you were mentioning, like, not buying cars, not buying, you know, spending your money in a way that uh, isn't going to help you retire early and looking, you know, getting away from that instant gratification. Um, and so that was one of the things we, we knew that, look, if we had these four or five bullets that were out there, these are our goals. We could adhere to those. And that would be, both motivation and it would give us a direction where we want to go.
3: Yeah. It's not complicated. It's just, uh, it's not easy. You know, I want my, I want all my fun stuff right now. I don't want to think about the future. And somewhere along the way, I'm just going to end up rich and famous anyway. So why do I have to, you know, the world, the world's just going to work (laughs) out for me. Um, Sure. It it takes a little while for that. I, I had that sort of blind mentality, but society, you know, or culture really, It either gives you for me i can only speak for me but it gave me bad advice and um bad impulse control
2: yeah it's i mean delayed gratification is probably one of the biggest uh factors for for this whole process and it's the little things that you'll never miss you know i I talk about this uh in my book where i would bring my lunch in and i would make coffee at work when i took the my first job and again I didn't start off with a high salary. My first job, when I got back from the Peace Corps, was making twenty-four thousand dollars a year. Um, So I didn't all of a sudden launch into a a high-paying job that made this a lot easier. Um, And but I would bring my lunch every day, and over time, you know, this process of just saving, you know, five, six, seven bucks a day, it added up. And that money, my wife did the same thing, and that money that we saved was the down payment on our first investment property.
3: Yeah. I mean, my story is very, very similar in that, you know, you save a little bit, you save a little bit, you save a little bit, you invest a little bit, Then next thing you know, you're like, wait, this grew into something. And then now you have money to parlay into something bigger and it compounds, but it takes, it takes a little bit of sacrifice. And really it's so funny because there's, it's just, that's the hardest part, sacrifice. And actually, you know, if you look at things like I look at social media as sort of a race to the opposite, the race to the... The shortest att- the shortest attention span possible, you know, they're like, we can beat YouTube. We'll just do it at thirty seconds at a time. And now people are like really instant gratification um, versus the opposite. If you you know you put out a here a thirty minute podcast, it's it's you're going to get less clicks than if you put out a thirty second um thing. It's, it's it's the delayed gratification is it's the key, but it really is it really is hard.
2: And, and it's a snowball effect too. And and I think what Part of it is you have to do the delayed gratification just long enough to realize the benefits and to start see the evidence of the snowballing. And so I I said, look, I had this plan that was going to take me 30 years to amass this portfolio, but I did it in 12. And then I was able to double it again just a few years, about seven or eight years later. And so by the time I actually hit 50, I had hit my initial goal three times, that portfolio. But it's when you start to save, you start to invest... You know, it's like compounding interest. It just keeps going, but it's it's going in your favor that you're building up, you're getting dividends from the stocks that you bought. You're getting rents from the rental properties that you bought. You're getting appreciation. And as you build up that equity, well, you can tap some of that equity, buy that next property, and it starts to snowball. So I was, you know, the first couple of years, it took a little while um, for me to see that. But as soon as the results started to, to show up, I thought, wow, this is incredibly powerful. And it's going, and what's interesting is, when you share that with other people, some people, they love it. They want to hear about it. And they think it's, you know, it's something they want to follow. But other folks, when you, when you talk to them about it, they're like, yeah, I'm just not interested. I don't want to focus on those things. And so I, I always, whenever I hear that, I think I go back to those four or five points. I'm like, well, what would motivate you? And you know, what are the things that you really want to do in your life? And if you could retire at you know, 50 or 55 and, and do just that, um, you know, what would those things be?
0: why would you want to spend 30 years investing so that you could retire when you could instead spend 40 years
2: working to keep working? Yeah. And that's, that's it. And I always tell people like you should always think about salary from a job as finite. And if you treat that paycheck as, Oh, this is finite, I don't know how much longer I'm going to have this paycheck, but I'm definitely gonna, it's going to be gone in the future. You start to treat that as a valuable resource and a limited resource and so you want to make sure that you start to replace that salary with other income. And as I say to people, it's like the more you invest, it's like if you if you're making fifty thousand dollars a year, but you're only spending thirty thousand, so your replacement right now is thirty thousand. So the more you invest and you generate that income, so you've got passive income, you know, coming in that's a thousand dollars. It's like okay, now you only need twenty nine thousand, and that means it's another thousand that you can channel over to investments again, and you just start replacing. The money that you spend, you know, with passive income that's coming in and you need less and less and less of your job. Uh, And then eventually you work yourself right out of it.
3: It's not complicated. Uh, The feedback, the feedback mechanism, the feedback loop, like you said, you make the sacrifice at first it's uncomfortable and then you get used to it. And then you're like, wait, uh, my life is getting better in ways that I could have never pronounced before because I made this sacrifice. That's when the feedback mechanism takes hold, but it takes longer. And just getting people to give up the, you know, it's the old joke about like give up the latte every day. And it's not about the latte. It's about the latte, the car payment, the big house. It's about everything. Give all of it up. I mean, especially for people where, you know, the majority of Americans, I think are in jobs they don't particularly like most, many times hate. Um, and they're still stressed like week to week about finance, about, about money. And I'm like, dude, you know, give up, give it all up. You give it all up for three, four years and you'd be surprised what you can, what you can do instead. You know how that sets you up. So it's, it's, it's
2: not a, yeah, com- well, it's, it's, that, yeah. it's just that mindset of people like, Oh, I hate my job. So I'm going to go out and I'm going to buy the sports car. Cause that's going to make me feel better. It's like, you just latched yourself to that job even tighter. And so you're essentially making sure that oh I'm going to buy a bigger house because that will make me happy. You know, and nothing in a material good world is going to make you happy. Um, you know that that's just a it's a fool's errand to to keep chasing those types of things. But having a few bucks in the bank will drop your stress level, and it will that is what will make you happy. And that's funny because when I wrote the book, you know, I talked about financial independence, retiring early, and maximizing happiness. Because a lot of people don't actually take a step back and think, hey. What will make me happy and what won't make me happy, and you know, across the board, it's never going to be when you're buying material things that's going to make you happy. But having time, having space, having freedom—that's what makes you happy. The ability to do what you want to do with your time. Oh, my kids ha- has a soccer game; I-, I can go to it. Your friends having a you know a fiftieth birthday party? Yeah, I can take that and go to it. I can take that flight and uh, you know and take that time off. That's the key.
3: Yeah. And it doesn't take much as as much as people think. You know, make sacrifice for five, ten years, and and, and you're sort of like you can. I don't want to say be good about money, but you know, it, it'll take a almost a lifetime worth of burden off you. But if you you go through those five, ten years stressed out, it's like you you haven't learned the tools. Now you still have to go through the five or ten years of stress. Um, and there's people, you know, it's so funny. I, there's people who watched me go through my journey that didn't weren't really interested, and then at, when I came across the other side, I'm like, oh, now like. You know, I'm not rich. Um, I still got to figure out ways to make money, but I'm not stressing about it. Um, now, people are like, "Oh, I wish I had that." I'm like, "You watched me do it. You still could do it, and you still will really, do it."
2: You were right there. Yeah. You know, it's funny you say that because it's true. You're always looking to make money. Like I, I joke about that when people are like, "What are you going to do when you're when you hit this goal? You're just going to sit on a couch and do nothing?" I'm like, "No, there's a million things that I want to do." And a lot of things I want to focus on, but I will have the freedom to be able to do those things. And it's right when you were saying, you you know, you were talking to other people and they were right there with that journey. I remember I learned about this tax benefit. It was years ago in in DC that if you bought a house, you got a $5,000 tax credit. And so, and it was a dollar for dollar credit against your tax, your federal taxes. And I found out about it. I thought, man, this is phenomenal. Like it's like getting five grand for free. And I told it to somebody that I worked with. And like, oh, yeah, government doesn't want you to know about that. And I was like, who doesn't want you to know about that? Like, I'm telling you, I just found out about it. It's, it's in the tax code. They want everyone to know about it because at the time, D.C. was pretty rough and they were trying to um, get more people to fix up the houses and buy them. And I thought th- that to me was like, it-, it drilled down into mindset right away. So if somebody shows you this great opportunity and you're like, oh, they don't want you to know about that, That's that's not good. Well there's a challenge with your mindset. You you don't see these opportunities when they come. And you want to make sure that it's not something that's a con, but this isn't a tax code. It's pretty legitimate. Um, but it was, a. I mean, that was 5,000. You know, we bought a, an investment property for $50,000 and then got that $5,000 immediately back when we filed our taxes just a few months later. I, I couldn't believe what a great deal that was. Yeah, the, the tax code is literally
0: written to incentivize what the government does yeah
2: exactly
0: buy a house you know invest to to alex's point what's even what's even funnier to me so i was hanging out with a friend like two weeks ago and they were busting my balls about you know like oh it must be nice you know whatever and it's like i have 750 youtube videos that i've put out over the last four years have you watched them like i'm literally spending my free time putting out
2: videos about this and, and it's always find a, find an aspect of it. I've had people say to me, I don't like real estate. And I'm like, okay, have you ever owned, or owned a rental property? And they say no. I'm like, well, I'll give it a try first. You know, do your do your research. I'm happy to answer questions. But buy that first property and, and see maybe you will like it. And I it's funny because the people, the only people who have ever told me, oh, you don't want to get involved in real estate. That's only a way to lose money, are people who have never owned properties. I'm sure you guys have had that. Same experience. And I, and I joke about this with people. I said, look, if you want advice about the law, ask a lawyer. If you want advice on how to fix your car, talk to a mechanic. Don't do the opposite. Don't ask the mechanic about the law or the lawyer about the car. Because talk to people who have real experience, legitimate experience, know what they're talking about, and then they're an expert. Ask them. And a lot of times people will give this to you for free. I'm amazed at how welcoming people are. When you express interest in something that they're passionate about. I got all
3: about. my legal advice from the barracks lawyers. Are you saying this is not a good idea? <laughs> you, don't, you don't ask
0: people who've been divorced three times <laughs> about your <laughs> marriage? You I thought that them. was yeah. I that was how the get divorced. to do. They're experts. So. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, you know, it's just that idea of, of talking to the people. And, it, and I tell people, look, find a thing you like. Maybe you're not a huge fan of rental properties, but you might like storage units or you might like stocks. I mean, stock market's been going down dramatically in the last month, two months. Like, It's a good time to start looking at stocks. And so, you know, as real estate right now is is really high in a lot of markets, and we've seen a tremendous amount of appreciation. There is a little bit of giving back now. We're seeing some prices starting to fall, but still it's tough to make the, the numbers work in a lot of markets, but stocks are looking better and better. Um, and so I think it's that idea of just taking a look at different assets and finding one that works with your personality and focus on it and learn as much as you can about it, be invested in it. And then if you're ready for another asset class, tackle the next one and see. Um, but again, it's, it's not brain surgery. Uh, it's, it's just this idea of a little bit of time, a little bit of dedication. You talked about putting out all these podcasts. And the thing is, every day you have to make some progress. You have to learn something new. You have to challenge yourself. Um, and it's what you do in those in your free time. If you spend a little bit of time focusing on the things, you'll get better at it every day.
3: Yeah. I, I miss these conversations about, about FI just because I just don't have them that much anymore. But it's so much, it's so simple. It's like, you know, one of the things I, I first started when I when I got into finance, I was like, I just did the opposite of running away from a bank account which is what I used to do, right? I, I would hide from, I don't want to look at it. And so what I did first thing in the morning, 6am, I just look at it every single day. Look at my bank account. What's in there? Where'd the money go yesterday? What did I spend the money on? And it's just, you know, it's the same thing um, as like fitness for me. If, you know, I'm out of shape. It's like, yeah, you got to go to the gym. Like whatever it is you hate about your life. It's like, that's what you have to focus on most. So if, you're, if your money problems, if your money's out of whack and you're like, I, I'm stressed out about money. It's like, focus on it. Pay attention, pay massive attention to it. If you're if you're if you don't like the way you look or feel physically go to the gym it, but you know i mean it's an easy trap that's i guess that's over because if i said well i don't like the car i drive i gotta get a new car like that's a bad example but there, there are certain it, yeah. it really is an attention problem but
2: it's also and you find those tricks like one of the things I, when people say look i'm kind of spending too much i'm like all right go through your credit card look at what you bought and this is not a judgment issue but go through everything you bought and just put a plus or a minus next to it. If you would have bought it again, or if you could go back in time, you would have bought it. And what I find is, you know, people will go through their credit card statement. They're like, man, half of this stuff has a negative next to it. I wouldn't have bought it. And and I'm like, okay, well, next time you are going to buy something, take, just pause, take a deep breath and think, do I want this? And is this going to get me where I want to be in the next 15, 20 years? And what you find is you won't buy it. And that was one of the things when I first got back from the Peace Corps and was living in D.C. and was working, I would just pause, think about a purchase beforehand, and then your your brain kind of works through it for a second and, and goes, goes, yeah, I don't want this. This is just an impulse buy. Uh, and I found that my spending dropped dramatically. I mean, I, I wasn't spending a lot at the time anyway because I was only making $24,000 a year. But even on that budget, I stopped spending dramatically just by thinking about every single purchase. I
3: know people who make $400,000 a year that are broke. They're broke and stressed out. And I know people that make $30,000 a year and they're getting ahead. It really is not like you said, Hey, I'm spending, 20, I'm making $24,000 a year and I can, I found ways to save money. Like it, it can be done. People. Well, that's just, it comes back to the mindset. People go, Oh, I, I can't cut anything out. I'm like, I guarantee you can cut out. You live in America. You have the highest quality of life of any human being that's ever existed. You can cut something out. Promise the one i always throw at my the one i was throw at my girlfriend she loves this one is the air conditioning i'm like let's just turn it off we'll be
2: fine yeah
3: she's like no we won't survive <laughs> no
2: absolutely not well, you know you look at the, the biggest expenses too you know when i got back you know i realized i wanted to buy a, a property and i wanted to to get a roommate because you know housing on average is 29% of a person's budget but by getting buying a, you know a condo two-bedroom, getting a roommate, having that person move in. All of a sudden, I, I cut that down to like $150 a month. You know, I forget the exact number, but you know, it, it was a dramatic reduction in my housing. And all I did was I channeled all that savings into um, stocks. So I was building equity with real estate and the house and property that I was living in. And I had this roommate with a rent coming in. And then I started focusing more on stocks and then after that was able to save to to, to do that first um, investment property.
3: The stock market goes up. When I first started just so in case anybody's like brand brand new to investing and they're listening to this, the way I started the stock market was I, I had like $1,000, which was a lot of money for me at the time. And I put it into SPY because I was like, look, this is the this is the American economy. Like it's not going to go to zero. So, let me just dip my toes in and see what it does because i'll tell you what there is a difference between the theoretical and the real life like you can tell me how it works and it only goes up and the average s&p return over the last 50 years is eight percent all that doesn't mean anything to how i'm going to go to sleep at night it's the same thing with mortgages it doesn't matter that you tell me it works it matters how i go to bed at night with the with the stress of the risk and so i put that thousand dollars in there and i watched it you know what it did basically nothing it did this it did this a little bit right it did this and then okay i was like oh let me just A couple months later, I put another couple hundred bucks in, and and a little bit, a little bit, and I was like, "Well, if nothing else, it's much harder to spend the stocks than it is to spend the impulse buy." I can't go to the I can't go to the store and and impulse spend the SPY. I got to sell sell a trade, and this is before Robinhood and and like you know instant trading on my phone. Um, But now you know I was buying SPY. I forget what it was, but now it's up like you know a couple hundred percent, right? It's a big, sizable chunk of chunk of cash, and. You know it works and what people don't they won't they're so quick to do the impulse purchase but i'm like you know take a little bit of time to do what nate's saying and you know take a take a chance and just put something into find something you know like the P, you know an etf um or VTAX, whatever they call it um and just stick some money aside a lot of times you know the first thing i had to do was i had to get a savings account that wasn't attached to a credit or debit card So if I wanted to spend that money, it took me three days. It wiped impulse purchases off of my like, right. It took the the ability to impulse purchase right out of my hands. And so I'm like, Oh, I, I got to, I got a checking account, a debit card. And what I would do is I would take, you know, my bills. Well, what I would do is I take 20% first, put it to the savings, take my bills, pay them. And then basically like, just live, give myself just enough to like, live like a peasant. You know, it was like back into being in the military where I was living on ramen and Kool-Aid. But that savings account was growing. And then it saved me because I forget all the things I missed. I don't remember. I don't remember all the things I missed. But now I got that savings account and it, it's a buffer against all risk and it goes up.
2: Yeah. I mean, if you look at the stock market, historically, it just goes up to the right. And so <laughs> that's the historical average. And so, yeah, there's, you know, volatility along the way. And what I always tell people is don't look at it. Just invest it and go into VTSAX, go into SPY, go into a broad index. Just put it in. But if looking at it creates unease or stress or makes you lay awake at night, don't look at it. Look at it years from now and you'll be very happy with the results. Um, And especially for people who are younger, if you start, you know, in your 20s and start investing, it's so much harder to try and catch up, even in your 30s or your 40s. Uh, And it's just... That idea of saying, look, I'll do a little bit, but as you were talking about, you 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 take that money out right away, that 20% disappears. And that was my approach too, is I started saving and you know, I maxed out my 401k contribution. And then I, you know, did a Roth IRA. And I would just take that money right off the top. And so when I got a promotion or I got a raise or something else happened, I wasn't living on that new money. I just would invest it again. And so, as my salary maybe went up ten or $15,000, I was only living on about another $2,000 more. So, I was keeping that lifestyle inflation really in check. Um, and, and everything was going to savings. You don't miss it. You're not spending it, so you don't miss it. Um, and, you, you know, you get a little bit more creative. I and mean, there were so many cool things in D.C. that you could do at a discount. So many great museums, speakers, and we'd go for hikes. There's all of that stuff. But you're immediate impulse should not be hey I'm gonna go out and spend three hundred bucks on having a great evening um, and that would keep you working until you're seventy five
3: um, let's talk tools um, I personally like personal capital but I've been through um, there's one back in the day called yodli um, mint is popular uh, I've been through a bunch of those do you uh, what about budgeting tools um, net worth trackers yeah all that
2: you know it's funny I'm kind of I use it in a bit of a simple way. Like I, I think a lot of it is you just have to find what works for you. And I like simple tools. I use an Excel spreadsheet and I look at my net worth every six months. Uh, and I sit down with my wife, we go through it. We see what, what assets are gaining. And you have to track your progress. So if you do it with a you know, high tech version or personal capital or, you know, mint, all of those will work. And, but you just have to find the one that works well for you. Um, and so I just do a simple Excel spreadsheet Um, I track my budgets. You know, I used to actually like make a budget, but then I was living on so little compared to, you know, I I rewarded myself no, no longer having to make a budget because I hated making budgets. So I thought, look, if I can cut my spending, my spending down so much that I'm saving, you know, 50% of everything I bring in, I don't have to do a budget anymore. Um, And so that was a reward. And, but I, you have to track your progress. You have to see, you know, I have a couple of like data tools and one of them is, I look at my net worth, I have like a little rent um, spreadsheet where I see which properties I own and what the rent is um, that's coming in. And it's just a quick check like, hey, and I'll check and see, hey, what's market rent in that area right now? And am I where I need to be? You know, my strategy is to stay below market rent and find really good tenants who wanna stay a long time. Turnover is where you lose money in real estate um, or one bad tenant can be devastating. And so I find people with good credit who will treat that house well, and then I give them this great benefit of living and you know living cheaply, and and that's my approach. It's a it's a get rich slow approach, <laughs> but I like it.
0: Yeah, I use a Excel tracker that I I do my track my net worth first of every month, and I have a Excel tracker that I've kind of tweaked and borrowed and taken pieces and whatever over years, and it's got you know, the net worth page. And now it's got a page for all my properties that I, so I can just have all of the equity piece that I just update the mortgages and it compiles to add in. And then I track income, active, passive, whatever. I gave up on, uh, I used to use personal capital and I loved it. And then, uh, you know, five years ago or whatever, whenever two factor authentication became a thing, I very quickly ditched it they couldn't adapt and I was losing my mind every time I went in there having to like every single application, having to do it. I was like, Nope, I'm, I'm done. I'm out. Yeah. yeah you me. don't want
2: to add stress to your life. That's the key. You just have to find the tool that works for your personality. What I find too, about using these tools to tracking your performance is it sparks the conversations of other things that you want to do. And so yeah, I looked at you know, a little while ago, I looked at it and I said, wow, we've paid off a lot of these mortgages and interest rates are still low, but I think inflation is going to rise. I think I'm going to do a couple of cash out refinances, pull some of that money out. And so I did two of them pulling out money at three and a half percent. Now, as interest rates have risen a year later, I'm really glad that I did that. Um, so I find that that's one of the benefits, too. of Yeah, you're tracking your actual numbers, but when you look at those numbers, you start to think a little bit more strategically in the long run. And so that's, there's a value to two benefits to that. One is a strategic, strategic approach and the other is actually knowing where your money's going and what is generating returns and what's yeah. not.
3: It really comes down to attention as far as, I mean, for me, it comes down to attention. If you're looking at it every day, you start learning, Hey, what works? What doesn't work? I've had this for six years. I sold a property last year that I'm like, dude, this thing hasn't made me money. And I've had it since 2010, and in 2020, I'm like, this thing doesn't make me. It doesn't cash flow, and it didn't go up in value during the the COVID period. So in 2021, I was like, I'm done with this thing. I sold it. But it's because I paid attention to it. I was like, okay, this thing is a headache every year. The other ones, they're good. Keep them. And you know, it's just it prevents you from that impulse. It also gives you like I like, I like that you said track it every six months. David tracks it every month. I do about once a month, and it gives me just enough score to be like, okay, I'm doing good. I'm doing. I'm on track. It's not going down. Uh, but it doesn't, it prevents me from, you know. I, I have family members that are like, oh my God, did you see the stock market? And I'm like, no. And I'm pretty sure I have the most money in the stock market of all of them. I'm pretty sure. I'm like, no, why would I look at the stock market? I don't, it's going up. Oh no, it's down today. I'm like, yeah, I don't, that's not, <laughs> no, it's definitely going up. I promise you.
2: In the long run, it's going up. Well, the thing is, too, is I, it's always that idea of just not being emotional. I mean, the way you make money in investments is you're not emotional. And so it's not, but tuning it out, like don't watch CNBC, don't watch the news channels that are excited about where the market's going. If that triggers you to not feel comfortable and not be happy, like you have to turn off all that noise and just focus on what actually matters. And what matters is putting money into the market in broad index index funds in the long term. And not paying fees to do that, if possible. And so, it, maxing out your, you know, your four hundred and one k. You know, if you have kids, putting some money away right when you have kids, so that by the time they hit college, you'll have some money saved for them. It's just that initial planning, and then tuning out all that noise. I mean, I'm amazed at how much I see people that are just unhappy because they're, you know, they're reading the news or they're tuning in the news programs where. Something about it is, you know, it's politics. It's made them upset. I'm like, why would you keep going back to that? Well, again, if all that's going to happen is you're unhappy, (laughs) turn it off, Um, figure out the things that make you happy and focus on it. Um, But that's, that's it. You know, a lot of these things that we're talking about is it's just, you figure out a plan that works for you um, and that you can stick with. Because again, as you said, like focus on this and you have to be there day in, day out to get the real long-term results. Um, so you don't want to lose your weight. It can't be too painful in the front end like, or oh, you'll all abandon it. And so you have to find a pain point that you can live with. Uh, and then pretty soon it doesn't feel like a pain point anymore. It just becomes part of who you are. Pain in the short
3: run. It's sacrifice. Yeah. As far as
2: totally, it's- totally.
3: as far as it's the, the marshmallow test for adult emotions go.
2: Totally. It's exactly what it is. And it's and it's all balance. I you know, I just had this conversation with somebody recently. I said, like, it's all balance. Like, it, you can't just be 100%. Like, I didn't invest. And now I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it 100%. I'm going to be all into it. It's like, no, you need to keep up your family relationships, your friends, your hobbies, your health and your exercise. It's all balance. And you have to keep all of that working or else you're going to burn out and you'll stop doing it. You know, I joke, you know, my wife and I had lived overseas for 18 years. And like, just like a house, you have deferred maintenance. Our friendships and family, I felt like there's deferred maintenance there. Like we have not been back. You know, COVID, we couldn't get uh, back into the States for a couple of years. And these are, you know, people that I want to spend time with. And I really like being back in the States now. I really like being able to jump on a plane and go see people. But it's all part of that balance. So do I focus as much about investing right now? No, because I've ramped up a little bit more to get back in balance on, on friends and family.
0: Equally, if not more important in the long run.
2: Especially when you look at health benefits. I mean, doing yoga, going to the gym, exercising, going for a run, like whatever it is that is your health thing, you know, doing hit classes. If you do that, you're basically banking money in the long run because you're less likely to have as many medical issues. I mean, there's always anomalies and there always things that are not going to be diet and exercise related, but a lot of it is. And if you can do that, I, I think about this as like focusing on exercise is banking this money in the future that I can spend it on things that are fun and not on healthcare.
3: Yeah. Um, I balance again, I don't particularly like, I don't want to say balance, but I like focusing on the things that I really like, but I, I like those things to be, um, Things that are all very productive for my, my overall health, well-being. So whether it's finances, relationships, money, travel, um, I don't do much of them in balance. I try to do all of them to the extreme. Um, but that's <laughs> yeah. me. But I, I think the problem, the you know, the yeah. very first thing you said was like, get a plan. And, and what a lot of people do is they just don't have a plan. They don't have a plan for money, but worse, they don't have a plan for their life. And so they're like, I'm just going to wake up. I'll go to the job. I have to make money. So I'll go get a job. And then the boss tells me what to do for eight hours a day and I hate it. And then I go home and I, I'm so stressed out about that, that I'm going to buy takeout and I'm going to sit in front of Netflix and I'm going to zonk out. And then, you know, on Friday, I'll go out with my friends and get drunk to forget. And it's like, dude, this is this, none of this is self. Um, none of this makes us the driver. That's all passive life, passive, passive, passive. And so I think it takes a little bit of, um, you know, I call it um, the ancient myth of the Phoenix, where it's like somebody has to get so mad about the situation that they're in that they burn that life down. And they're like, okay, now I'm going to be reborn. And I'm going to say, okay, I want this thing. And this is I'm going to get it. I don't want this, this is I'm going to stop it. I I'm, I'm willing to make all these sacrifices and you know, I am going to address the the problems that I wasn't willing to address before. And you can, it's hard to to change, but you can do it anytime. It's not that hard.
2: Right. And, it, and it's just that getting out of a routine if you're coming home and you're watching, you know, Netflix every night and you're eating takeout like that is a recipe for bad health and no productivity. And so, you know, you could rip the band-aid off, cancel Netflix tomorrow, make a commitment to start. You know, I'm going to as soon as I get home, I'm going to drop myself. I'm going to go for a walk for 20 minutes in the neighborhood. Like you'll start to get an endorphin high from that. You'll start to feel better. You'll walk for longer You'll start to think about things and you know, where you want to be and some plans. And I always tell people, man, just keep a, keep a post-it next to your bed. Write things down that come to you, things that you might want to do, and then just start making a list. And that, that can be the start of your, of your plan is, hey, I've always wanted to live in Europe and I've always wanted to, you know, hike Kilimanjaro. Okay, there's your two things. Start making that happen. And think about it when you go in there and you're like, hey, I'm going to buy a new car. Okay, how far off in the future is that pushing Kilimanjaro? How far off is that going to push the idea that I'm going to go live in Europe? Years. So don't buy it. And people start to think, all right, I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to make this happen, in this plan. And and then, you, then you're then you self-motivated. And once you become self-motivated, it's all this is, is easy.
3: I'm going to hike. I think we're going to hike Kilimanjaro in 2023.
2: Just putting oh, that out cool. there because we planned it. Yeah. And I didn't didn't even set that up. I didn't know that in advance. It wasn't... uh,
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's... uh, Ironically, I had somebody reach out to me and ask me if I wanted to hike that next year. So kind of not just a coincidence.
2: You know, and the thing is, like you're saying, and I love that what you said, look, we're doing that next year. And that's the other thing that I find with people who have this mindset is people say, yeah, you know, I want to hike Kilimanjaro. They say it, they don't mean it. They're never going to do it. But this idea of if you say it and then you put the steps and the action to, to have it occur, all of a sudden you realize, hey, anything's possible. And you're like, now I did Kilimanjaro. Now I'm going to go do this next thing. Now I'm going to go do this next thing. And you become a doer as opposed to just a talker. And there's a lot. Yeah, of there's talkers. a lot of
3: talkers. I'm not. I'm not n- completely innocent in in my life. Things that I say I want to do and don't have to doing. But I will say there's there's a the internet gives a tremendous sort of advantage now where there's a difference between like this idea. I'm gonna. I want to hike Kilimanjaro to, you know. The information that it takes for you to actually get it done, and so you can say things like instead of just saying I want to hike Kilimanjaro, you say what do I need? Right? How does it? How do you get it done? What does it cost? Because you got to hire Sherpas and stuff, right? It's like it's going to be like nine grand a pop, right, per person. It's not. It's not cheap. And it takes like seven, eight days. There's no electricity out there. I mean, I don't know how much. I got to bring camera batteries. Like it's no. Like it's no joke. But you start learning this stuff. You start reading this stuff. You're like, okay, now I know what it actually takes. Now I can start putting things on schedule. I can start getting people around. And the same thing is with finance. And you're like, well, I want to I retire with $2 bucks. And you're like, okay, that's the theoretical abstract want. But then you say, okay, well, go get a calculator that says to end up with $2 bucks. How much do I have to put away each month? Well, I got to put away 150 bucks a month for, for 40 years. Okay, well, I can do 150 bucks a month. Where do I put it? I put it in SPY. How do I do that? You go to whatever you do, Charles Schwab, Robinhood. Robinhood's easy and, and basically free. Right. And so I think there's definitely a gap between like when you have these, I, these wants, I love this idea. Nate, right. I write down my, my bucket list items. I want to go to space. Right. That's a hard one. Cause that doesn't actually exist yet, but it's been on my list for, for 15 years. Right. Maybe longer than that. I want to go to space Virgin Galactic. I can do it for like 260 grand. I don't have 260 grand. It, it's that one's still a bit of a daydream, but the point is um, you start going, okay, it's 260 grand. That's what I need. But by the time I can go in 20 years, it'll only be 50. Maybe less, right? So if you if you want to retire with this amount of money, it's like go Google it, find out what you have to do to take step one, and then you'll be like, oh well, that wasn't that hard. And then I I I bought hundred dollars worth of shares this year, and I bought a hundred dollars worth of shares next next month, and I bought a hundred dollars shares next month, and maybe at the end of the year you're like, well, I should have twelve hundred dollars worth the SPY, except now I have fourteen hundred because the stock market goes up. So you're like, okay, it's only two hundred bucks, but geez, I, there's no, I would have never made that two hundred dollars and save the 1200 any other way. So, I mean, if you do that math real quick, the next year comes, you know, you start getting to 4000
2: real quick. Um, it- right. And you just, you automate it. I mean, that's the thing is, as much as you can automate this, you know, as much as you can take, you know, pay yourself first and take this money away from your paycheck before you ever see it, the, mo- the more you can start funding these accounts automatically, it's more likely it's going to happen because you don't have to think about it. It's a one decision you don't have to make that day. And that when you start stacking eight or nine decisions that you don't have to make each day, that are all, all are beneficial to you, you're going to get results um, in, in the long run. And so that's that's kind of that process um, of just moving forward every day. And, you know, I always tell people, like, look, just have a durable exit strategy to your job. Like when you, you, you take your very, your job, your very first one, whether you're out of college or out of high school or whatever, start to think about, look... How do I get a durable exit strategy to get out of this to be able to do whatever I want to do? And if that is your mindset, then you'll start to be creative uh, in the ways that you can generate income. And also, what else do you want to do with your life? Um, I have a lot of people who said, you know, you, if you're going to be able to retire, what do you want to do? And what I like is just that the doors will open. So when I retired, um, right after I retired, I got offered a job from the New Zealand government to work on the Middle East team. I spent a fair bit of time in the Middle East. And I thought, okay, that wasn't on my trajectory at all. Um, But it just came my way. So I was was living in Wellington, New Zealand. I was working for the New Zealand government, working with some great people, and I loved it. Uh, And then as I was starting to transition and come back from New Zealand, a friend of mine who I'd worked with, who used to be a US marshal, started a company doing security. And it's called Group 9. And basically, we put together a team of people who have a lot of different experience uh, in government and some of the private sector and start to look at doing security vulnerability assessments, doing kind of bespoke consulting uh, related to security, uh, expert witnesses for, for court cases. But again, that was not on the horizon, but these opportunities present yourself. And when you have the free time, because you're not tied to a job anymore, you can just accept them. And I think that's the greatest thing of all is this ability to chart your own life and choose the things that sound exciting.
3: Yeah, I think the um, the fire movement sort of, you know, as as it scaled up, like anything, it, it does itself a disservice by by calling it retire early. When the reality is, it's it, the the freedom part is the more important part, right? I'm not retired. I have no interest in retiring. I have no interest in retiring. In fact, I I kind of wish I could work, find a way to work harder. I get, wish I had something I could get excited about and work harder on. Um, Real estate prices are so hard right now. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, the freedom, like I I never thought six, seven years ago that this year, I spent most of this year traveling around um, all over the country and the world, right? I'll go to country, I'll go international six times this year um, with my camera as a videographer, a photographer, like it doesn't pay that good, but I can afford to sort of at least you know, even if it's break even, even if it makes a little bit, right I can afford to, to do that because um, I took the time to struggle, suffer, not even not even so much suffer, just like pay attention to my finances and make it a hobby. That's the thing that people don't really I, I wish I could get through people's heads. I'm like, you don't have to be obsessed, not really. you have to make it a hobby. and for most people I, I don't want to say for most people, I know a lot of people that have no hobbies, right They have no hobbies other than like drinking. Or, you know, I mean, that's not a real hobby, right? They have no, they have no self-growth hobbies. So if you have, you know, one, two, or very few hobbies, make money one of them. And you know what? You can give that hobby up in five or ten years. Once you have it like on lock, you're like, oh, I just have to save twenty percent of my income, stock it away into to investments, and then every couple of years maybe buy a house. Like, dude, you do that, you're set for life. Like you're done. Um, but make it a hobby for a few years and and learn it and and you and it's fun when you start, like especially if you get good at it. You're like, oh, this is I can make money. This is fun.
2: Yeah, it's it's a blast. I remember you when know, the first you know investment deals, one of the first investment properties that we bought, it was we we're kind of going into the global financial crisis, you know, and we're like, man, prices just don't seem right. This doesn't make sense anymore, and so we sold. And I and I remember thinking to myself, wow, I made like far more than I make in a year. My, salary, my By this time, my salary had, had gone up a fair bit. But I made far more by signing a couple of documents. And then a year and a half later, signing a couple more documents than I did in a year in my salary. And so I had less than one week. So I had you know, less than 40 hours invested in that property, managing it, buying it, everything. And I thought, okay, but I got over a year salary from doing that. And then that is when the light came on. I thought, this is outstanding. Like, how do I do a lot more of this? Um, and just, you, you become converted. You know, one of the ways I tell people to get started is I said, look, if, you, if you're not so excited about all of this, buy your retirement home now. You're 30 years old, figure out a place you might want to retire. It doesn't, you don't have to retire into that house. But if you buy your retirement home now and you rent it over the next 15 or 20 years, by the time you get ready to live in it, you have it paid off. So maybe you buy it in Florida, you don't like Florida anymore, you want to move somewhere else, great, sell it. And then buy the retirement home with that money. But just that one simple move of buying your retirement home 20 years before you need it and having somebody else pay it off.
3: Dude, I wish... I hope there's somebody listening that can take that advice because... I'll I'll tell two quick stories and I think we're we're starting to wrap up on time. But one of my really close friends years ago, he bought this house um, in 2009... When the government was giving out eight thousand dollars in first time first time homebuyer deposit, so he, I think he ended up like getting improvements to the house instead of like taking the actual cash or putting it down, but whatever, it's fine. So we got this house for like ninety grand, and he moved out a few years later, and it was like always oh, stressing out. I was like, get a better property manager. Your Property manager sucks. Then he had a property manager kind of rip him off, and so he stressed out. He stressed out. I was like, whatever you do, don't sell this house because it's going to fund maybe not your full retirement, but it's going to go up in value and it's going to it's going to rent right. And so it was renting for like eight hundred bucks at the time. And he's like, no, I'm just selling it. And I was like, you're not making enough to buy another house. You're never gonna get a deal like that again. And I think that house is now, you know, since 2020, right? It's probably worth 180, <laughs> right? And it rents for 1,500 bucks a month, and 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 his mortgage was, I don't know what it was, 400, dollars 500 bucks, something like that. And another story, I got a guy I saw a few weeks ago, a few months ago, and he's like, dude, I wish I, I wish I could get into real estate. And I remember 10 years ago when I was getting into it, he's like. I said you got to buy a house. I just bought a house. I just bought my second house. Like it's like you got to. This thing works. Like it's, this is going to work. Somebody's going to pay this house off. It's going to go up in value. I'm going to get tax benefits along the way. This is this is. I don't know how this is legal. This is so stupid, right? This is so stupid. This is so easy. I'm an idiot, and I've made more money in the last year, like you said. I made more money in the last year in real estate than I than I ever thought possible in a job. And I did it's the easiest job I've ever had, and it's the highest paying. How is this possible? And so I see this guy six months later, or at the time he's like, I don't know if I want to live here. So I don't want to buy a house. So 10 years ago, by. see me day, He's still living in that town. Still doesn't own a house. And I'm like, dude, you, you paid, you paid off a t- third of somebody else's house at this point. Like I, I just wish people would. Yes. It takes attention. That's I think some of the, to try to draw some themes for what we've talked about. It takes a plan, some plan, right? Write it down, write down some plan. It takes a little bit of um, attention every day, a little bit of attention, right? Kill the impulse, pay attention. And then, dude, take a risk, not even a risk. Like just,
2: just do it. Cal- yeah. Calculate a risk. I mean, minor, a, a risk. minor yeah, take a risk, minor risk, a Thank small you, yeah. risk. You know, it's so funny you say that. Cause I have a good fr- friend of mine. He was looking at a house. So I was investing in real estate and he was looking at a house to buy. And I said, he said, you know, would you come take a look at it? I said, absolutely. I'd love to. And I walked through it and I just looked at him and I said, here's the deal. You buy this house or I'm buying this house. But one of us is buying this house today and putting in an offer. And that was it. That was the nudge. He was like, oh, okay, uh, then I'm going to buy it. And I was like, okay, great. And if you change your mind before you close, give me a call and I will buy it. And you uh, just pass me the contract. And he he, double, he more than doubled his money on that. I mean, it was a phenomenal investment for him. But sometimes it's just that nudge of saying, look, do this. Um And, you know, I'm glad he asked me to come over. I was glad I could help him out with it. Um, But it's that idea of if you don't know something, find somebody who does and just ask them for their advice. People are so generous. That's the one thing I've learned with this. They're so generous um, with their time and their ability. But you got to pay them back, you know, some type of a gift card, something when people spend time with you, some type of way to pay pay them back in a small, just, you know, some gift, some small thing. Best thing you can do to pay somebody
3: back for giving you financial advice is go make money and then show them. Say, hey, you changed my life. Thank you. Done. I'm happy.
2: Yeah. Totally. Don't ever ask for somebody. Don't ever ask for advice and then not take action and come back and ask for more advice. That's got to be the worst thing in the world. It's like, did you do the three things that we talked about? No, I didn't get around to those three things. Why are you back for four, five and six? You haven't done one, two and three. Man, and I'm sure Nate, you guys get this all the time. Nate is
0: now the favorite guest we've <laughs> ever had on the show. That's going to be the highlight. Yeah, that's the new uh, yeah. intro reel yeah. for the
3: podcast. Thank yeah. you very much. That's so quintessential. It is. It's so.
2: It, it just shows you're not serious. I mean, you're just not need, serious. You, you need better friends, like you said. Subject.
3: I had a similar story. I was going to buy this house. I was scared. A guy looked at a guy, a investor buddy of mine. He's like, if you don't buy it, I'm going to buy it. And you know what? I was so scared at the time; I was I still new? So I was like, "Fine, you buy it." Because I was—I wasn't sure if he was baiting me, right? And he scooped that house up, and I'm like, "Man, that was a sick deal!" Like I knew it, and I was too scared. <laughs> and then ever since then, I'm like, "Never again," yeah. right? Never again. I bought—I went on a buying spree. That's when I went bananas, and I was like, "Dude, I'm just—I'm missing out for my own in my own head." So um, if I could add to my previous list, you know, attention, plan, um, calc- minor risk, and friends, mindset. Mindset, uh, friends with the right mindset.
2: Yeah. Be around, be around people who are optimistic. Be around people who want to see you succeed. I mean, that's the number one thing is if people are trying to pull you down or drag you down, you're in the wrong group. You got to be there who are people who are genuinely happy to see others succeed. Like that's. there's always
3: somebody, like you said in the beginning, there's always somebody that's going to tell you, you don't want to buy rentals. I had an uncle. I had an uncle. You don't want to buy rentals. They're a pain. Tenants are going to tear it up, da da da, all this stuff. He didn't own any rentals. I said, Well, what what should I do to make money instead? He's like, Well, well, every way is miserable. Might as well do real estate. I was like, You're people, they're just spewing their negative, you know, nonsense. So you just got to, you got to, you got to find people that have yes mindset.
0: There is a million reasons to not do anything. I can give you a whole list of reasons not to run, not to, driving the snow, the rain, the sun, the, you know.
2: No, there's a lot of no's out there. And just you, you gotta surround yourself with people who say yes. And the thing is, it's just, you know, and, and again, it, you, you're calculating with your risk. If you're like, look, I'm really risk averse. It's like, all right, then buy one investment property. Start with that. Look at the numbers. See how it's changing your net worth. See how things are going. And then when it looks like it's going pretty solid and your comfort level's there, then you make your move and buy your second one. Um, you know, it would have been great when I was buying you know, houses right after the global financial crisis. You know, the back of my head was like, you know, back up the truck and buy everything. But I am a little risk averse, you know? And so I said, like, I, I don't like having things taken away from me. And so I would much rather not have bought something than to gotten over leveraged, made a mistake. And, but, and that was all the stuff I saw going into the global financial crisis. I'm like, everyone's getting over leverage. They're banking on appreciation. This doesn't seem wise. So even when the prices kind of crashed and I was buying, I was like, I still want to be measured in my action to make sure that I don't stumble in the same way that, the, that people did going into the global financial crisis.
0: Absolutely. Well, Nate, this has been phenomenal. Uh, is there anything it's we been- missed?
2: No, not so much. I mean, if people are interested in learning more, um, the website is loaded for life. Uh, They can find me there. The book has become loaded for life. And it's the book is all about kind of my journey. Um, And the second book is I have a a book that's called the 10 stages workbook. And because after I wrote the first book, I had people saying, Look, I really want you to spoon feed this in a way that explains it like I wake up today, what's the next five things that I do. And so it's like 70 steps. And 10 stages, they get harder as you go through, but this is the next seven things that you're going to do. Once you've achieved those seven, and some of it's like making sure your credit report is good, making sure that you you put that, open up that Roth IRA. So it's simple stuff, and then it gets progressively harder into investing in real estate and things like that. But it helps you kind of guide, hey, am I on track? Am I doing what I need to be doing? And, it, and all that's kind of explained.
0: I like it. Well, Nate, it's been a Absolute pleasure having you on the show. It's it's fun to kind of circle back more towards the fire conversation and not just real estate. And sure. uh, it's been a lot of fun, man. So thanks for joining us today. Yeah, I appreciate, appreciate it. it, guys. This is tremendous. It's been great to
1: be here. Thank you for listening to another episode about my journey from military to millionaire. If you liked it, be sure to
0: visit from military to millionaire dot com slash podcast to subscribe to future podcasts. While you're there, we'd love for you to rate the show. Give us a review on iTunes. Now get out there and take action.